So hello and welcome to the second episode of My Fancy Zamboni. Um, we're going to start off by just thanking everybody that listened to the first episode, thanking everybody that has liked and shared the page of the episode already. Um, so today we are joined, it's slightly different, we're joined by Dave. Good evening. And we are joined by Andy. Hello. And then obviously myself as well, Joe. Um, Greth isn't available today. We are all recording from the same room, so we aren't on Facebook time or facebook live or anything like that um skype we are all in the same room so the sound quality should be a little bit different um but anyway obviously we've already recapped over six teams um so today's starting point is to go over the five teams that are remaining uh dave do you want to start us off with dundee yeah let's go dundee let's go um, north the border um of all the three teams i think of what they've Side and they've recruited in Omar Pasha, what, what Omar Pasha's done. I think this is the team that excites the most, if I'm honest with you. Um, for me, they've, they've, they've brought in a great netminder. Um, they've looked solid in defence and they've got a couple of studs um, in the forward lineup that I think is going to score points of plenty. One thing Dundee do, and it do it in back in the time of uh, when Jeff Hutchins was the coach, they always signed great netminders. I don't know where they've gone from, but always, you've looked at the end of the season awards and always at nominations, Dundee Netminder. Great example, Nick Riopel, um was a stellar netminder. Two or three years later, he picks up a CHL winner's medal backing up in Frölunda. One of the, you know, a decent team in, in European hockey. So, you know, Dundee, I think, have gone about it again and I'm looking forward to watching them play this year. Um, Andy, I, I've, I've gone, you know, in, in the description looking... Netminder defence in the, the way they've gone about it, they've built a team that I think is going to do well this year. Yeah, they've got a solid core in there. Uh, I think they're going to do even better than they did last season. Uh, definitely going to be uh, one of the surprises in the league, I, I think. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. I mean, I think uh, I think if, if anything, they, they underachieved last year a little bit. Um, I think one of the first years that they actually entered into the elite league, I remember going up as a Steelers fan to Dundee and they absolutely dominated us. Um, and I think a few years down the line, last year, maybe underachieved, underachieved a little more than they expected to. Um, but looking at a team this year, I can see them turning that around considerably. I mean, start with the netman in uh, Peter Shogson. Um, good SHL experience. Um, and his stats last year um, in the Alsvenska, f- um, he was something like 2.29 goals against average with a same percentage of... Nine point nine two three. Um, you know they're the type of stats in them leagues. You know the Alsvenska, then then the leagues that they're gonna do well. If he can take that form with him to to Dundee, they're gonna make. They're gonna get so many wins. They're it's gonna give them such a good foundation. And like I say, you know, years before they've always had good net mining, and I think they've carried on with the trend. Yeah, I mean that obviously, as you say, Pontus Sjögren is their netminder. Um, he spent the last two or three seasons in the Alsvenskan, dabbled in the SHL, a couple of games in there, playing for Malmo. Um, I mean, last couple of seasons he's played for HCV to Haston. Um, I mean, averaging probably 2.1, 2.2 goals against average in the Alsvenskan. It's a great start to be going into the Elite League with. What are we thinking, Andy? Yeah, he's, he's got some great experience there. Uh, I think he'll do very, 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 very well this season. I guess, I guess one of the things to note as well is, I mean, the Alsvenskan, the Elite League, I mean, you, you probably put the Alsvenskan in front. I mean, you look at, you know, pre-season games, Steelers playing Lexans, obviously I appreciate that Lexans were one of the top Alsvenskan teams, but 
they turned us over in the second game. We were very close in the first game. Uh, do you know, in terms of level, Alsvenskin and Elite League aren't too far apart. So also, in coming into a league, 2.29 goals against average to a league that's a fairly similar kind of level is, is, a, is a good place to start. I must admit, when, years ago when um, Robert Dowd had the move to, um, to the Alsvenskin and it was a move up... Um, and his stats were, you know, everyone was like, this is great, it's a good move for him. So that level of hockey, to have them type of stats there, um, says a lot about his, um, his his game. Now, one thing I, I look at his stats is his postseason is very much, it's about relegation. So in, in obviously in Sweden, they have the relegation rounds in the postseason to decide who goes up to the SHL or the Alsvenska. And a lot of his postseason is about saving his team and their status in the league. I think that's going to benefit Dundee because as much as they won't, and no disrespect to Dundee, they're not going to push for a title. But they have a netminder who, when it comes to the stretch and the big games, just to give him that chance to make the, the final eight, he has that experience down the road in terms of his previous years of doing well. So this is, I think he's going to be one of the top-end netminders of the season. I'll be honest with you, I'll put my money now. So obviously, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that in terms of netminding, they're a very strong team, and and in fairness, I mean, you look at you look back at their track record; they've never really been weak in terms of netminding, as we've already said. But I mean, moving on from the netminding towards the defensive side of things, um, I mean, one player that we've all kind of picked out as as a standout player is Petr Chalupka. Um, uh, do you know, Dave? Do you want to do you want to start us off on on? Again, he's the guy's got over 187 um, Czech league uh, games, um, so good league experience. But the one that looking at the guy's stats, one thing that stood out for me was his plus minus. Um, in the top league of the Czech league, he was plus um, six, seven, eight, or something along those lines. But you go check two, which is still a very good standard. He's plus twenty thirty. So for a defender to have them type of stats, and they was like over two, three hundred games. For a defender to have them type of stats. Not only does it show he's good at his own job in defensive, but he's going to produce, he's going to help the production in terms of the forward. So that type of player is, in fairness, is the type of stats that you actually any team would look for. So I think, again, Noma Pasha's uh, found a bit of a, a rough one, um, a rough diamond there. I, I, again, another player I'm looking forward to seeing play. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at his stats, in, in terms of, you know, last year he played 29 games in the Slovakian League, uh, he played in Zelina. Uh, um, I, I mean, he ended up with a minus eight, but 29 games in Zelina. Um, he played in the Slovakian top league. He played there. Um, last year, he also played for Poprad the previous season. Again, a minus four, but realistically, from a D-man that's playing 20-plus games, I mean, last year, sorry, the year before last was 18 games. Last year was 29 games. I mean, for a guy who's playing roughly 20 games in, in the Slovakian top league, a minus eight, it's not a bad stat. It, it, it really is. I mean, what do you think about the fact that it, the plus or minus system is the fact that every time they're on the ice for a goal, it's a plus one, and every time they're on the ice for a, a, a goal against, it's a minus one. To say that they've played 20, 30 games in that league and ended up with a minus eight, it, it really isn't a bad thing. I, I agree. And Andy, you know, you look at it where the type of signings that we get in the elite league, like Joe said, top Slovakian leagues, to get that type of player... It is a great work from Omar, but just again another notch on the you know, for the elite league of attracting decent players to our league. I think it's been a story throughout many of the teams in the elite league this season. We've attracted so many good players. I mean, Mark Heaven, 
one for Cardiff. Uh, I played quite a few games in the KHL, and so did Charles Lingway. Um, but yeah, I, I think throughout the league, they've definitely upgraded upgraded on what they had last season, and they brought in some fantastic players. Whereas maybe five years ago, you you wouldn't have seen because the league has just brought in such a good reputation yeah, to where we are. Certainly increased its reputation, like saying, and a lot of people. You, one thing that was noticed in some of the preseason games, Stohanna's coach. Um, one of the top teams in Norway and in the CHL this year was saying that the Europe is waking up to the Elite League. Now, it's not going to be the standard of the SHL, the DEL, the KHL, the SM Liga and the, the good leagues. But the league is starting to get better. It's starting to compete and be up with the likes of the Danish leagues, the French leagues. Um, and I think it's only great for, for sport in this country that we're able to compete. And it's not just the imports that we're bringing in. The British players are of good standard. Uh, as we obviously saw in Budapest. Um, for me, one of the standouts for, for Dundee, I mean, we mentioned the goalie, why do things going to be good, um, is the forward, um, Francois Bouchard. Absolute top-end player, I think. And I, I suspect... Because one of the things you've seen with the Scottish teams is they bring good forwards in and they, they, can, they tend to move around the league. Um, and I think this is going to be another one... Um, you know, Francois Bouchard over um, 200 odd games in the AHL, uh, 121 points, I believe, um, in the AHL. And every league he's gone to in Europe, he's been one of the top point scorers. Uh, a few years ago, he was top three point scorers in Italy, and he was behind Sean Bentivoglio of Cardiff. And everyone knows how good uh, Bentivoglio is. So I, I, I think again, another player, Pash has done a great job, recruited another good player. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, um, you know, the guy played in uh, in Pustatal uh, in Italy in fifteen in the fifteen sixteen season and ended up as their top the top point scorer in Italy in the in that Italian league. Um, do you know? I mean, he's a, he's a, an AHL Calder Cup champion in multiple seasons two thousand eight two thousand nine and two thousand nine two thousand ten. Um, you know, the guy looks quality. The only thing that I'd highlight about him that maybe strikes is a little bit of a red flag is the fact that he didn't play in the 17-18 season um, obviously he went in Bordeaux in 16-17 scoring 40 points in 44 games you know a great start in fairness in the French League not playing in the 17-18 season and then coming to Dundee in 18-19 you know he's certainly a guy to watch out for uh, I definitely agree and I think it's a great point to raise in terms of not playing last year, and I think that's probably where that type of player has become available. Um, you know, without knowing if it was, if it was injury or, or whatever reason why he didn't play last year. So Dundee took the punt on him, um, and the sacks on. I think it's going to be a good punt to take. Um, so, guys, I what do you think? I'm going to the question is top eight. Will they make the playoffs? Yes or no, Andy? I think they will. Yeah, hundred percent. Joe. Yeah, I I would be surprised if they didn't make the top eight. I think that's all three of us. I, I do believe Dundee will be in the postseason. I mean, another thing to mention for Dundee, I mean, before we move on, obviously it's the coaching side of things. You know, we've, we've mentioned that obviously we've got Omar Pasha, uh, you know, he's a guy who knows the league. We know it already, uh, particularly Steelers fans. Obviously, there's been times where he's made a bit of a point of uh, having a bit of a game plan in place, playing the Steelers. It's not always gone his way. Uh, but, you know, having a guy like Omar Pasha that knows the league, and then, in addition, having a player like Matt Marquardt um, as their player assistant coach. You know, we, we particularly 
we particularly know him, uh, you know, Steelers fans, obviously, from last year. He scored 40 points in 53 games, but he's also another guy that's going to help us out. But I must admit, great point, you know, Omar Pasha, um, lots of the experience. Marquardt, again, you know, two or three years' experience. It's that type of thing that will help Dundee. Um, and it's kind of, you know, look at the different signings, the different coaching moves around the league. Having that league experience will just give them that, that, that step up. To, you know, you, you can bring any coach in, but bizarrely, getting that experience of knowing how the league runs, you know, sometimes, you know, you look at different leagues, if they play one day, two day gap, then they, you know, play, we play Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's, it's a different nature of league. And also, the big thing that's different to every league in Europe is we're not about the playoffs, as in the big championship, it's the league. The league's the big thing, you win the league. Uh, one thing I remember saying is... Um, in terms of net miner situation, that will always go with the best net miner, even if he's eighty percent or seventy percent fit, compared to a 50 percent other net miner backup. Because it's if you make a mistake in the league game, that's going to cost you. In this country, it will. Other countries, they'll go for it and they'll they'll uh, use the backup. So your starting net miner may play 25, 30, 35 games in a fifty game season, whereas this country you're going to be playing fifty odd. Um, so having that experience, knowing how the league works, knowing how what you're going to do, I think is going to help Dundee along the way. So moving from Dundee and going across the fourth um, to, if we're brutally honest, probably one of the brutal rinks in the league. It's got its history, it's got its all about it, but I tell you something now, if you're an away team and you want to win a league title, that's not the place to go to, and that is the Fife Ice Arena in Kokori. Um, Five Flyers, they know how to be the pesky boys as they like to come so last year and had a great season last year made the final four was unlucky if we're honest um you know in the semi-final against cardiff the, uh, the if they had a bit more about them, i think they could have beat cardiff in that semi-final um but overall joe they had a great season um did five yeah i mean uh i mean five was it was a bit of a weird one wasn't it the end of last season I mean, we ended up in the last couple of games, there was that massive switch around where there were about four or five teams that could have ended up, you know, the top three or the bottom three. It was it was that bizarre. You know, you, your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh positions were all kind of switching around. And, and in fairness, for a, for a while, it looked like five could have finished third. I mean, I expected, I, in fact, for a time, I expected them to finish above us. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, so, I mean, the, the, the main thing for me that's kind of changed with them. I'll pass this over to Andy to discuss first. But, I mean, the main thing to change for me was, obviously, they went from Illes, who was a guy who was rumoured for a bit to go to Sheffield was um, as a netminder. Um, and, and in fairness, in my opinion, was the, was probably the best netminder in the Elite League last year. They've gone from Illes to, sh- to Shane Owen again, who obviously played for him in the past. Uh, Andy, I mean, what do, you, what do you think of that change? I think it's a good change. I mean, uh, I was seeing... Andy Owls a few games last season he, 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 he was great it's a great net especially in that semi-final against Cardiff uh, pulled some fantastic saves off but in terms of a, of a five point of view Shane Owen was a massive fan favourite when he played for them uh, a few seasons ago and uh, I think it's still a good, good acquisition and uh, I think he'll do very well again is it one thing that's going to help them is having the netminder again it's all about the experience and knowing the league and Shane Owen obviously knows the league from his previous time is that going to really help him and give him that kick start against the likes of Dundee the likes of Glasgow teams around them 
you know, where goalies are going to still try and find their feet and everything else where Shane knows the league. Is that going to give him that beneficial advantage? I think it will do. Uh, he's played for four teams since... Four or five teams he's playing uh, for five. Uh, he got... Nicole uh, uh, Skoga, Wichita, Rapid City, uh, Katowice. Now, he's not played many games there, uh, but I think we'll be very happy to see him back in five. Uh, and I'm sure he'll give the fans a really good show. One signing I was really impressed with that Fife was able to bring in, um, and that was a um, Elite League winning uh, Paul Crowder from Cardiff. Um, one thing that Fife has a history of, and, and one thing that you see when you go into Fife Ice Arena, um, is the banners. They have a history, kind of like Sheffield, in respect of they win a lot. They have a history of winning. They have an expectation that they want to win. To bring in a winner, Joe, or bring you into have a winner like Crowder into their roster. That's a massive signing, just gives them that experience, not just the, the playing perspective of points, but just how to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I don't think we're going to disagree between the three of us, that as, 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 particularly as Steelers fans that were in the mix of the teams that you may have expected to be competing for that league title. It may be a little bit hard to bite on the fact that Cardiff got the win again. Um, but, you know, there was a reason for that. And, and Paul Crowder was certainly a guy that um, I think... <laughs> You know, we, we all saw reasons that the, the guy was on the winning team for the Elite last year. Um, yeah, OK, he played 47 games for the, for the Devils. He scored 26 points. So maybe not one of their first-line players, but certainly uh, a, a contributor to their points output and certainly a contributor to their, uh, you know, to their league standings at the, end of the, at the end of the season. Looking at the, the roster, they have, they've brought in a few winners and... Something that you look at from in terms of um, Todd Duttium, who's a guy who's experiencing Cody, um, and he's been, I think, it's about 20 odd years of, of experience. The guy knows Fife, probably now up there with the rest of the legends. If you speak to fa- uh, Steelers fans from of 20 plus years, they will name five players that were legendaries. Um, and Todd's up there. So you look at the roster, they have brought players in that are going to win or have experience of winning in their previous teams and again we mentioned about Dundee but it's another factor that Fife have got these players and give them the advantage and I mentioned briefly when we started about Fife that re- that rink when you go and you play for likes of Sheffield Belfast Nottingham and you've got these great facilities and then you go on an away trip to Fife 2,000 plus people who are on top of you they are baying for blood but they are so passionate about their club and they make a noise. I mean, we knew last year we went up for the double header and the atmosphere, and when that building's full, there's not many rinks in the country that will compete on atmosphere. You add that to the mix, Andy, and that's a dangerous combination to any team that wants to get wins in that building. It's going to be dangerous. Yeah, and I say this with the utmost respect. It's a brutal place to play hockey. No man being a fan. But to be a player as well, uh, the atmosphere every game is absolutely electric. Uh, I can't remember the time that I've been up there and it's been quiet. You know, the fans are really, really engaged up there, and uh, it's just a, a great and a bad place to play at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you, you go back to the times when I mean, a couple of seasons ago, obviously, well, three seasons ago at least, uh, obviously when the Steelers last won the league, that that you know, <laughs> the game, the winning game was in five. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to travel up. Um, I know that Dave, you were. I don't know if Andy. I don't know if you were there. Um, I, we watched on the webcast. Um, yeah. But one thing I'll say: it's a good point you made. That is a place that has a history 
of being a graveyard for title aspirations. You have to win in Kakadi. You might as well put money on five for him because for some reason they just find a way to destroy them hopes. And I think that's probably one of you know it's one of the great things about Kakadi. You know they're not expected to win, but they just have that gumption about them that you know you were going to come into their building to win a title. No, 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 no. If you do it, you've done well. And, yeah. they, and in fairness to their fans, they're knowledgeable. And if you do it, they'll tip your hats and say, you know, well played. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, when we won the league there a few seasons ago, it was, it was. I mean, I was lucky enough to be there. Um, it, was, it was actually after the day after I'd won the uh, WIHA um, league. And I was uh, I'd had a fair few to drink the day before, so I was uh, not necessarily in the best state. But um, I mean, we were in the league. We we were in the game there, and and it was you know the first ten, fifteen, twenty minutes. It could have gone either way, yeah, and and as you say, I mean that that was definitely the thought at the time of could these guys put us out of the the hopes of winning this league, and then you know we we pulled away towards the end. But it, it's certainly something that goes to help the team. And in addition to that, I mean as it, as we've already said, you know we've we've got Todd Dutime who obviously knows the league. We've got Jeff Hutchins as the assistant coach who knows the league. Paul Crowder, who played last season for Cardiff, knows the league. And then, you know, in terms of defensive, Scott Arson, we all saw him last year. Another guy who knows the league and he was a top quality defenseman that, that is, again, assigned. Um, Andy, what, what, what do you think he's going to contribute to their team this year? He's been very contributive. Uh, I mean, very good experience of the league already. Been with Bray before and then to Sheffield. Then to Fife, uh, yeah, he's another player that I think is going to stand out a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this this no mistake. I mean, from the thirteen fourteen season to the uh, to the sixteen seventeen season, he had the he had the assistant captaincy for Braid. Uh, obviously, they're now Glasgow, but you know that that certainly isn't something to be sniffed at. I mean, the fact that he's then gone from them to Sheffield, a team that were from the get go hoping to you know contest for a league championship, it's always been in that top class of player. Uh, and then to go to five. I mean, a, a guy that transitionally um, going from defensive to offensive has always been great. I mean, watching him in Sheffield last season, do you know the amount of times that he was on the ice and when we in five seconds we were from behind our own net to in their zone and, make, and making chances? And it was a lot to do with him. And one thing they've also done is not just signed a good defenseman and a defenseman who can transition well, they've signed a leader, someone that is going to be the kind of get on my back, we're going to get through this, you know, if the chips are down. Um, so they've, they've done well in, in picking up uh, Scott Arson. Um so you know you look at that team let's, let's be honest Joe what are they going to do what on the spot are they going to make the postseason do you think they may fall short where is Fife going to end up I'd be, I'd be amazed if they ended up in the top half of the league I, and it's nothing to do with their, their team and I'd love to be proved wrong um, I mean, I'd be amazed also if they didn't make the top eight. So I'd be looking kind of a sixth, seventh finish for five. Um, that that would be my prediction. Definitely making the top eight, not making the top half of the league would be my prediction. Andy? I think I'd agree. I'd, I'd probably say fifth or sixth for me. I must say, I, I'm hovering around the fourth, fifth, sixth mark, but I think they'll definitely be in the postseason um, and you don't want to have to have the second leg of the playoffs in Cody because... They'll fill that barn and the atmosphere will be absolutely electric. And uh, if you've never been to Kakori, it's an experience. That, like I say, their fans are great. Their fans are knowledgeable. Um, and it's just a, it's a great building. For an old-time building, it's a great building to go and watch hockey. Um, so 
who knows, you know, five may surprise us all. They may may not only just go in the playoffs, they may go one step further, they may make the final. And you know, it'd be good to see... In fairness, it's just one question before we move to Glasgow. It'd be good to see a, a Scottish team make the playoff final. Yeah. Ignoring the league from second. But it'd be good to see a, a Scottish team make the playoff final. Yeah, I mean, certainly... I mean, I think this year is is the year that we're certainly looking at that. And, you know, we, we, we've already noted a, a, a massive improvement in Dundee. You know, I, th- I think that Fife have stepped it up from their game last year. And obviously, you know, they've already made the semi-final last year. Uh, and then obviously on to Glasgow, as we say. Do you, know, do you know, the first thing obviously to mention about Glasgow is the, the move to Glasgow <laughs> rather than Brian. Um, I mean, before we go on to any of their players, we first start, guys, what, what do we think to the fact that they've changed from the Brian clan to the Glasgow clan? I think they've, they've gone down the lines of um, inclusiveness. Um, Glasgow's a unique uh, sporting city in respect of it's not just about sporting teams. They you do have to throw in the uh, religious divides. It is what it is, and it's not calling it. So, so in fairness, when Braid started, they uh, was straight off on the off. You, no football colours, no religious divides. We are one. They, they took the lead from Belfast. Belfast did that very well from the off in in, in their um, starting uh, games. So to change it from Braid to Glasgow, it's inclusive. Um, hopefully, it works. You know. I think last year they had a, a poor year for their standards. Yeah. Um, Trip didn't do the job. Um, I'll be honest with you, when he signed him, all I could think of was he did the, uh, the magazine program for the Champions Hockey League. <laughs> and I'm, got, I'm not going to lie, you know, the guy obviously has a resume that's good, but you hear him speaking, you're thinking, the guy didn't... He, when you, see, you speak to people, you hear people speak, you, you think, he could be a coach, he could be someone who could coach with his experience. He never thought that with Trip, And the results showed. So... Um, they did the business, they brought Pete Russell up, um, they've changed to Glasgow. I think they're going to be expecting a better year um, across all fronts, yeah. not just on ice but off ice. You know, There was a time when you had five, six, seven games sold out uh, and a full uh, bread arena for the Glasgow clan is a loud place. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think from a perspective of a move from Bread to Glasgow, I mean, from a recruitment perspective, I think if you're going over to uh, to people that are playing in North America or Canada or, you know, anywhere in the world, in fairness, European, I think if you turn around and say, do you want to come play in Braid, your response is pretty much going to be, Braid? where's that? Braid? Braid where is, where's that? Exactly. Whereas <laughs> when you go and like, play in Glasgow, obviously, it's going to be considerably more recognised. So particularly, you know, a good move from that perspective. Um, but then we look at the, the actual move, obviously, you, you, you know, they, they certainly underachieved, as you say, last year. They're, they're a team that probably, in terms of budget, aren't necessarily punching with the lower teams. But I think I think they've always kind of in that transitional period. Obviously, last year they went great. You know, in terms of when Finity was coach, again, necessarily didn't have the results that they expected. I think this year, you know, they moved back. Pete Russell, guy who knows the GB system, he knows the GB players. Obviously, coaching GB at the moment. Moving into moving into Glasgow, I think it's certainly a good transitional year for them. What 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 are we thinking, Andy? Absolutely. Uh, as you said before, even the the uh, British players have got some great experience with them. I mean, just pick one. Zach Sullivan uh, has played a number of games with GB, uh, and I think he's going to have a fantastic season this season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, obviously the the, the place that we're starting with um, for the majority of teams in fantasy is net minding. It's a good place to start. Obviously, you build from the back, 
Um, we've seen it particularly Sheffield obviously getting rid of muscle cogs we've seen a, a need to build from the back with, in terms of dressing whistle and obviously we're seeing it the same with every team most teams in fairness not retaining their main netminder it's, no. it's quite a quite a strange start but you know that's a, that's a side note uh, obviously the netminder for Glasgow this year is Joel Rumpel um, Dave what do we think obviously you're the you're the, uh, you're the netminder out of the three of us so um, what are we thinking you look at different teams and you look at the netminders they've brought in, they've brought a netminder who has a good resume in terms of high league experience. Uh, Joel Rumpel hasn't got that. However, you look at his stats, um, he has you know decent stats. And if memory says right, I think he's also uh, a Kelly Cup winner um, in the East, East Coast. Um, so, you know, they've gone down the line of a netminder who's underwhelming in respect of his resume and resume only. So this is not saying we haven't seen him. So, he, you know, it's, it's just resume only but it's a, re- a goal who's won and again it's, it's all about the experience and sometimes the important role the netminder knowing how to win so we mentioned about Dundee's goalie knowing how to win when the chips are down in the relegation end Brit- uh, sorry Glasgow nearly did the mistake there have a netminder who have won uh, you know the East Coast League so know how to go deep in the off season it could be again a, you know, a bit of a diving in the rough type scenario and ending. You know, we've seen it before with netminders where, and over the years, and even going back into Super League years, where netminders didn't necessarily have the big resume, but actually were the stars of netminder and was the you know, the MVP across the league. Yeah, there's quite a quite a lot of that in in, in recent years in the Elite League, but uh, it doesn't mean to say they've you know they've cut to a good job where they are or or the team that they're with. Uh, but yeah. I I mean there's three tropes up to grabs I'm sure even some goalers with slightly less experience than others can certainly help the team get through to that position. Yeah, I mean uh, you know we've we've already mentioned obviously the, the similarity in terms of level now the elite league is kind of moving up to the same levels as the Allsvenskan obviously the Allsvenskan being in my opinion being slightly ahead but moving considerably closer and and in fairness in my opinion it's the same with the ECHL obviously the East Coast Hockey League. Realistically, feeder to the AHL, um, you know, there's there's a reason that certain NHL teams have ECHL feeder teams, and and it's because they are that level. But they're moving, in my opinion, the ECHL is moving considerably close to the EIHL in terms of in terms of quality. Uh, maybe the ECHL leading slightly, but when you've got a player that can, you know, a goalie that can play twenty games, that you know, he played twenty games for Wichita Thunder with three uh, three point one five goals against average. And then uh, an eighteen-game stint with the Utah Grizzlies with a three point one five goals against average again. So realistically, in terms of last season, um, you know, Rumpel played thirty-eight games in the AA, in ECHL uh, with a three point one five goals against average. I mean, I, I think a guy coming into our league with that kind of you know start last season is certainly is a good building block to start with. I think it's certainly one to watch and it's not one where you can get you look at resume and go hmm well that's not impressive we know he's impressive when you have a Kelly Cup win or a Calder Cup win um, or even a Stanley Cup win but if you've got one of the Cup wins of the big leagues you've got good resume so you know you, you know what you're doing um, and you know leadership seems to be the thing they've got a guy in the net who can lead a team to victory um, and talking of leadership let's move on to their captain and for those in Sheffield, well-known player, fan favourite, um, Zach Fitzgerald. One of the things, a vast AHL experience. 
Um, you know, he was brought in. He played for uh, Brayhead um, a few years ago. Um, then moved down to Sheffield for three seasons. But one of the players we we said bef- at the beginning, Joe, that Brayhead before the change had a really poor year, and it's very much a transitional year. And they need some character. They need some identity. If there's any ever a guy who can give you identity, it's Zach Fitzgerald. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's a, as a Steelers fan in the kind of 2014 to 2015 kind of change, you saw Zach Fitzgerald knock Danny Bois out in about two punches. And I think our entire fan base was going mad at that point. I, me included, um, were kind of saying, oh, this should be banned. This is ridiculous. This is, it's, it's poor hockey. I think now you kind of look at it and say, well, realistically, Bois kind of threw in the first glove punch and kind of asked for the punches. That's not the argument we're having. I mean, the guy moves from Braid at the time to the Steelers. First season for the Steelers, he gets the assistant captaincy. He plays three seasons in the Steelers, assistant captain every time. Fan favourite, as you say. And also, I mean, the thing that we, we can't deduct from, he's a quality defenceman as well. One thing that I remember his first game for Sheffield was away at Frölunda so we signed the guy with the res- what happened in his resume in Braid and we go what on earth are you signing for now this is a Frölunda team with a third of their team and he was there um, if you remember that there was actually that they played that game against Sheffield they all went off to North America to NHL camps Frölunda running the scoreboard they're beating us left right centre fair play to him and some of the guys were getting a little bit sick happy a bit cocky oh we're beating you ha ha and he did one thing that just stood out and I'm thinking, you know what, actually, you've turned around straight away. He moved to the bench and just said, you know what, I, you can surmise here. But it was kind of a, you carry on doing that. I'm not going to an NHL training camp. You carry on, neither are you because you'll be injured. I'll take a two-game, three-game ban in the Champions League, but you're not going to Boston or you're not going to the Rangers, you're not going to Arizona. And their whole bench and their youngsters, because it was a very young team, very fast and very skillful, they just dropped and they just became honest in one move and he just thought actually do you know something we may have just got a good player and if I'm honest with you over the three years that Zach's been in Sheffield he were that player um, sad to see him go but it's good to see him still in the league under it is yeah I mean it's had a great three seasons in Sheffield and uh, I'm sure a lot of us will want him back but uh, you know players have to move on and uh, being back at Brayhead you know, it gives the fans another Trying to see him play for their time as well, like he did a few seasons ago, and I think he'll be a great player and a fantastic captain for them. No, I I absolutely agree. I mean, in fairness, um, you know, realistically, we've said that Brayhead have been quite transitional in in terms of, and obviously Glasgow in in obviously recent months, but the team as a whole has been quite transitional since realistically since Finity came into play as a as a coach. Um, do you know they they've probably underachieved in terms of players they've had, whether that's coaching wise, whether that's just generally you know being able to get the players into play together, um, and I think Fitzgerald's a guy who's in the same kind of position. He's quite transitional in terms of his position in his career. Um, as obviously we've already mentioned the fact that he knocked out Danny Bois. He was that kind of player who was the guy who drop his gloves, punch first, and then think second, and then. You know, we move into the, the modern era of the game where the enforcer is a very derelict position. You know, it's not a, you know, it, it's not the kind of position when you'd be thinking the guy's going to drop his gloves, throw punches, and then sit in a penalty box and think, 
okay, maybe I could have done that differently. Now it's a case of I dropped my gloves two minutes for roughing because the guy's not dropped his gloves too. And, and it, it is, it, it's dying out as a position. And I think Fitzgerald moving into the captaincy of Bray, he's the guy, uh, obviously, sorry, captaincy of Glasgow, he's the guy who may be a fan favourite, he's the guy who can lead them from the back in terms of defensively. But, you know, he's also the guy who can throw the punches if needs be as well. He'll certainly look after him um, at the back and he'll give him that toughness. But who will also look after them in front and who will put the puck um, in the net is one of their um, returnee signings um, from the, the Manchester Storm. And that is uh, Matt Becker. Yeah, so uh, obviously, I mean, Becker was... You know, he's, he's been a good guy in the, in the league for the last few seasons, um, as it, obviously as you say. He started off in Brayhead in the 16-17 season, moved to Manchester, and now he's obviously coming back to Brayhead. Now it's the Glasgow clan. Um, Andy, what do, you, what do you think to Becker? Becker, fantastic player. Uh, I mean, even Manchester, when he played last season, he, he, he was put to the point. Uh, I think that line of Becker, Hammond, and... Uh, I the other guy now but um, but, but yeah together they were fantastic and uh, you know I, I, I think they're a lot of league this year yeah absolutely I mean obviously look at his stats 52 games in his first season in the EIHL 75 points it's not even a point per game we're, we're talking a good 20 points more than the games he played and then again the season afterwards 56 games 75 points again 75 points to two seasons he's played in the elite league you know, maybe we'll put a bet on him scoring 75 points again, but I'd certainly be putting points on him being one of the top point scorers in the league this year. And I think he's going to be a, a stellar signing for the Brayhead clan. No, I, I agree with that. Sorry, yeah, Glasgow so, clan. So let's um, finish off with Glasgow in this. Will they improve on last season? Are they a team that could contend for the final eight? Andy? Yeah, 100%. Joe? I want to say yes. Um, I, I think they've improved in goaltending and in some of the players in you know that are playing outfield for them this year. I want to say yes. I think they'll make the final eight. I think they will, but I think it'll be the very last day. That's how close I think they'll they'll go. I think they're still they're still a bit off. Um, they've still got good players and they've got a good coach. Um, let's joke a pool A nation coach, um, shall we say, in Pete Russell. Um, but I, I think Brayhead, if oh sorry, Glasgow, if they make it, it'll be the final day of the season. I think that's how close it'll be with them. Yeah. So we go, we finish Scotland. Um, sadly, we don't have the Olympic uh, Capitals. Hopefully, in a year's or two time, we get them back. Let's go down to the East Midlands and let's look at the Coventry Blaze. Andy, Coventry Blaze, not the best of season last year. Um, made the playoffs. Um, but the type of season that what they had years ago, not the type that they're expecting. And do you think that from last year, and I know it was um, Stuart's first year in Coventry, do you think he's going to take that and do you think he's going to go and try and make sure that they have a better season in respect of what they achieve in terms of their position for the playoffs? I think definitely Stuart will be looking, uh, or has been looking for, the, for better players this season. And I think he has brought in... Uh, a few good players as well one including Dylan Lawrence played for Edinburgh last year put some good points there as well for Edinburgh uh, and yeah there's a good there's a good British core there as well uh, Joe I mean Dave actually had 
they signed their roster and it feels like they've had to re-sign their roster in terms of players having to lead you to personal reasons um, or other personal reasons than signing for another team in North America. Um, nice move, Danny Paquette. Um, but some of the guys are bringing in, they're actually, for my sister to alone, I don't know what you think, but they're actually a bit of an upgrade by luck in terms of what they're going to sign initially. Yeah, so obviously, I mean, uh, Coventry were obviously going to sign Nastyuk at first. Not going to lie, at the kind of time that they signed Nastyuk, we were kind of talking about starting this podcast. Um, one of the first things that I thought was actually talking about how I thought that was a bit of a a bit of a risk. I, I didn't think he was the, the best goalie last year. You know, we wish him well. It's not, it's horrible to see anybody that can't play and, and follow the contract that they signed for personal reasons. Uh, and, you know, we wish him well in that. But in my honest opinion, in terms of the stats and in terms of who they've signed in the place of Nastyuk, they've upgraded on Beekman. Uh, Dave, obviously, again, you're the goalie amongst us. W- what's your opinion on this? Beekman's a winner. He's won at Nottingham, um, and he knows the league. So you add all that into the um, the equation, like with what you've just said, it's an upgrade. They've done well in finding Wheatman available. Um, he went to Milton Keynes, he played some stellar games in Milton Keynes, especially one at I Sheffield, um, when they their first visit up to Sheffield that last season. The guy, I guess, like I said, the guy knows the league. He he knows the Sky Dome well. He, he loves the Sky Dome. <laughs> um, you know, as a social media saw, um, but at the end of the day, what they've got is a guy who knows how to win, and he knows how to win in the UK. And a lot of stuff is all centres around experience and, and knowledge. And I think the having Wheatman in between the pipes is going to help Coventry a heck of a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, to be honest with you, when they signed Wheatman, uh, sorry, when Nottingham got rid of Wheatman, obviously they had him for two seasons. You know. Particularly Steelers fans, I'm sure we've all been in that kind of debate of Armstrong was shoved, Armstrong wiped him out. But, you know, that's not the kind of forum to take this uh, to take this discussion. But to be honest with you, obviously he played 15, 16, 16, 17 with Nottingham. I don't understand why they let him go in 16, 17. Obviously they had a decent netty in mind. Um, you know, as it turned out, he couldn't play because of match fixing. Um, but I honestly didn't understand. I thought he was the best netminder in the league when he played for Nottingham. So to then move to another team seemed a little bit odd. Signed for Milton Keynes, <laughs> got on social media and, and slagged off the Sky Down and uh, and their Olympia. Um, I, I think, if anything, he's certainly got a point to prove. No, I agree with you. And Andy, um, he, as much as he, his last game, Sheffield, in, as in a Panthers shirt, was a, a sad way to, to end the game and, you know, We'll leave it at that. He was a guy who you knew and you saw that so many times he was the one that stopped you from getting the win. He did, yeah. He pulled some fantastic saves off, especially against Sheffield and other teams as well. Uh, he's got the kind of calibre. Obviously, knows the league pretty well and there's quite a few teams as well. And uh, no, I, I, I think he's going to do do well do well this year. Yeah, absolutely. Then we go from Veekman and, and another ex-Panther that Coventry have signed. And we go to Alex Nikiforuk. And to be honest, I think it's a, a stellar signing for the Coventry Blaze this year. But, I mean, you look at his stats, 51 games, 32 points. Not necessarily the highest point scorer, but for a guy who wasn't contesting to be a first-line you know, player, I, I don't think 32 points in 51 games is anything to be shouted at. I think what he'll do to the Blaze is he'll give him the depth. 
Um, he will give the, the, the Blazers the opportunity to have the lines that will have a bit more uh, potency about them and he'll give them the firepower. I mean, we watched the, the preseason game against Cardiff yeah. that Coventry lost uh, down at Iceries of Wales um, and the goals he scored was well-taken goals and he, he kind of gave them the option. He, he, it was leading sort of the lower lines to, to give the, the opportunities against Cardiff. So I think that's that signing is a great signing for Coventry but I also think it's more it'll give them the depth for what they need to to get back into the game where they used to be title contenders um, and the top end of the Elite League. Yeah, I think it's um, so it's quite a difficult position to fill. So, you know, when you look at your first line forwards, your first line defensemen, when you make those signings, you see the guys that are played in top, you know, top amount of games in the ECHL, some games in the AHL, maybe some in the NHL. It's, you know, they're the guys that fill in the first lines. It's almost the second and third line players that are kind of the hard ones to fill in. And I think Nicky Forrook is the kind of guy that you want to fill in your second or third line. The guy that can bring in maybe a point a game, maybe just under, maybe more. Um, and I think certainly he's going to be a guy that bolsters the country places here. And another guy that we think is going to uh, bolster the Coventry Blaze is a guy that we actually watched last year um, in Rungstead uh, is a guy called Jake Hansen uh, Andy we, it's like I say, we watched him was one of their top guys and one of the guys who gave them the, the dangerous um, opportunities in multiple times against Steelers in the, the Continental Cup what do you think that sign is going to give them to the Coventry Blaze this year? It's going to give them a huge uh, a huge boost definitely in their, in their offensive corps and uh, He's going to put some pies up for sure. I mean, not just points itself, but he caused Sheffield some massive problems in the Continental Cup, and uh, it's one of the reasons why it was such a close game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see Rungstead, he took us right to the wire in terms of that game. I remember um, us equalising in that game and me falling down the stairs in delight. Totally nothing to do with the alcohol consumption. I, I, but, um, I wasn't going to mention it. Were you going to mention it, Andy? Nah, <laughs> no, nah, it didn't cross my mind. Yeah, well, let's well, mention it now. Did you, you fall over, Andy? You, you totally weren't both there behind me laughing at me. Anyway, but, you know, I mean, the guy scored 52, 53 points in 50 games in, in Denmark. And uh, we've talked about already the Alsvenskan, the ECHL being of similar quality, if not slightly higher quality, to the EIHL. And if, if anything, I would say the Danish league is kind of just below. So kind of maybe the difference between the Elite League and the EIHL, sorry, the ECHL and the Elite League is maybe the difference between Denmark and the Elite League, but kind of in terms of the difference between, in terms of that Denmark is slightly lower. Yeah. And I think a guy scoring 53 points in 50 games in the Danish league, he certainly set up well to make that transition into scoring similar points in the Elite League. No, I, I agree, and I think it's going to give the the Blaze some good options um, going forward in the new season. So, before we kind of move on to the uh, the final team, guys, are the Blaze, yes or no, are they going to improve and are they going to challenge for the top end in terms of the league, but also are they going to push for a deep postseason and maybe even Mech Nottingham? I think they've improved. Um, I'm not... I can't say for certain uh, if they will make the top, the top eight in particular. But I think they'll they'll definitely push a few teams close for sure. I kind of agree with Andy. I kind of I feel conscious that a lot of the teams I've kind of said, oh yeah, they're going to make the top eight definitely. Um, we got eleven teams. And I feel like I've said that for nine of them already. But um, no, um, I, I I to be honest with you, looking at the stats of this team, 
I'd be amazed if they made the top eight. Uh, and I'd love to be proved wrong. I remember watching the Elite League when Coventry were the team to beat. Do you know, when I first started watching was when Coventry you know, were winning the league, they were winning the playoffs, they were pushing for the Challenge Cup. And now, maybe not so much. I mean, you look at their stats. We've not necessarily focused on it so much this time round, but in the first episode, we've kind of mentioned, mentioned the number of NHL stats and NHL games across the board that a team have got. AHL games. Coventry, very much lacking in that area. I mean, the Steelers, across their team, you're talking 300, roughly, NHL games. You're talking 2,000-plus AHL games across their team. Coventry have got zero NHL games. They've got 380 AHL games. They are very much lacking in terms of experience. And I think they're, they're very much the underdog for me. I, I'd like to see them do something. And I think as a whole, Britain loves an underdog. And I, I think they're very much the dark horse in terms of the elite league. But in my honest opinion, at this time of the year, I'd be amazed if I saw them do anything to make the top eight. But... I kind of lean towards what you're saying. I mean, and like you, I rem I remember when Co um, Coventry used to tear the league up, and uh, the the famous ACDC line with Dan Carlson and and God bless his soul, Adam Calder, just tearing the league apart. And there was always the team that you know were pushing for the the the, the league title, won the league title, playoff wins. Um, and in fact, one of the Steelers' um, playoff wins in two of eight was against uh, the Coventry Blazers, and they had, yeah. they had a great team. Koenig in there and the stars in that team and they they were good so I'd love to see them back pushing at the, the top end a full sky dome is a great building it's loud it's, it's raucous it's kind of the, the Midlands version of Fife in respect of the fans get behind them and they are on top of the teams but I look at that team and I, I like you I'd love to prove wrong but I just think they're going to fall a heck of a lot short Personally, I think it's a it's a, a make-or-break season for the Blades, and I don't mean that from a perspective of if they don't win, they're not going to do anything, or if they win, they're going to go high. And do you know what? It's not necessarily a perspective of... if it, When I say break, it's not necessarily a perspective of it's going to do them in as a team, but I think it's either going to be a case of they finish in the top three or they finish in the bottom three. I, I think looking at a team, maybe having a, a load of players that are kind of transition into the same kind of league and same kind of ability may do them good but you know it may do them good it may not I mean you look at the difference you know 2,000 AHL games between them and Sheffield realistically roughly give or take no, that's, a, that's a huge it is, and then 0 to 5 to 3, 4, 500 KHL games to the likes of Cardiff and uh, Nottingham yeah. again just having the big league experience is a difference maker so I think Coventry could be behind the eight ball, but who knows? You know, they may surprise us all. And do you know what? It'd be good if they did. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's, a, I don't think there's anybody amongst us, obviously between the three of us, that are going to disagree. As I say, I said previously, the people that you'd expect to be contesting for league titles would be Sheffield, Belfast, Cardiff, Nottingham. And in fairness, as I say, previously, Coventry would have been the people amongst those four. You'd, you'd have put them in the top five contesting for those titles. It'd be amazing to see that again. And, and uh, as I say, I for one personally would, would love to see that again. But, you know, we, we digress, we move on. Um, Guildford are the remaining team uh, amongst the 11 elite league teams that we've discussed already. Um, 
Andy, what, what are we thinking of, of Guildford? Obviously, we've started goaltending-wise, generally speaking, but what, what are we thinking of Guildford as a team? I think as a team, uh, again, brought in some good players and they've improved on last season. Uh, There's definitely a few uh, that are starting to be. I'm sure we'll get to those in a minute. Uh, but yeah, and the team that's upgraded and uh, I think they're in set for a good season. I, I think they could be the team that could break into the top four. They've got a good coach in Paul Dixon. They've also got the owner that can back a title-winning campaign. Um, and in fairness, they, they, did, they did well last year in their first Elite League season. Um, they were unlucky, if we're honest, not to make the final four. Um, they pushed Sheffield all the way. And if it weren't for a last 15 minutes in the third period in the first leg, and that's, to me, that's the difference, if I'm honest, they would have been going out again. Sheffield wouldn't have been going to the final. I think that's the difference. So they had a good season last year. I look at the signings. If they look like they've upgraded, I think Guildford are going to be dangerous in this season. I think the, the, the team that could make a, make or break a, the team's title-winning contention, they are the type of team that will decide, potentially, as Dassey sounds. They were the one that will make a difference, not just to them, for themselves, but other teams' aspirations for the league title. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we we talked about Milton Keynes in the last episode. They obviously started off very strong. Pete Russell obviously is their coach. You know, they pushed hard against teams like Sheffield, Nottingham. They they, they, they put some good results up. Um, and, and in fairness to Milton Keynes, they were injury-plagued throughout the season. Uh, and I think that did them in. I think from Guildford's perspective, maybe started off a little slower. And I think any of their fans will hold their hands up and say that. But I think towards the end of the season, certainly finished off the stronger of the two league teams entering into the league. Um, and, I, and I think they've carried on with that. I mean, obviously, as I say, we've started off every um, every team talking about the netminding. Travis Fullerton, I mean, I'm certainly not a netminder to, uh, to turn his nose up to. Uh, he played for Dundee last season, 54 games, 3.89 goals against average. Andy, what, what are we thinking to, to, to Guildford, Guildford at the back in terms of Travis Fullerton? Um, Travis is a good goalie. Again, like, like, like many of them. Uh, but he, he has played for quite a few teams over the last few years, uh, especially Brayhead, Edinburgh, uh, Dundee. Um, I think they took a chance on, on Travis. And um, I, I think with, with Chris as well, it'll, it'll, it'll be pretty good. Yeah, I think he could certainly end up being one of those signings that he's, he's again, like I said about commentary, make or break. But and so when I say about a commentary, I mean it as a whole team. I mean, I think Fullerton could either be a signing that at the end of the season they say... That was an amazing signing, you know, grade A, really good. Bit of a risk, you know, with 3.89 goals against average in 54 games, maybe not the best stat that you could get in the Elite League. Maybe a bit of a risk. Or they could be ending the season saying, you know, if we've got a better goalie, we could have finished higher. It, it, it's one of those, and, and it, it really is. I, I think at the end of the season, we could be saying one of two things. Um, again, Dave, you're—I mean—you're the—you're uh, the netminder amongst us. What, what's your opinion of uh, Travis Fullerton? What do you think he can bring to the Guildford Flames? Steady goalie. Um, that's the makes how he knows his game. He, he's very structured in, in how he controls his crease. Um, and the teams he's played for, Edinburgh um, Dundee, the previous two years, he's done all right. Um, he's um, shown you know good character. And, and kind of giving his team a chance every night um, to get the win. So, 
moving down to Guildford, I think he's with and no respect to the previous two teams he played for, he's now gonna be on a team that's a better team. And I think he with if he can keep his his own discipline, his own his own control in terms of going from a team he's expected to be busy every night to a team that won't be as busy, I think he's gonna make Guildford even more dangerous than they were last year. Yeah, completely agree. I mean obviously we talked about Guildford last year. We can't talk about Guildford last year without mentioning Carl Agard. Um, obviously, a defender that puts up a point per game is certainly a rare thing in the Elite League. Carl Akered, uh, he goes into Guildford last year following uh, playing for Ostersunds IK. Um, he puts up 60 points in 55 games as a defenceman. Yeah, they're the type of stats that you want from your forwards. I mean, Sheffield got lucky having that from Ben O'Connor having 66 points, and you know, he got a KHL the Al Svenska gig. So that's, just, you know, having the defenseman who can give you that take, actually takes the pressure off your top two lines because they're, you know, that's the type of point production that then the pressure's on them. So, I mean, he, he was great. Every time I watched him in Sheffield, he was one of the standout players for Guildford. And I expect nothing less from him. I think he's going to do the same. And on a better team, you know, you know we could see better stats. Yeah, it's absolutely a point. I mean, the thing to note from that is he, he scored 60 points in 55 games. I mean, I'd have quite happily seen him in Orange. I don't think any of us are going to disagree. We'd have been quite happy to say The main thing that I would highlight is, I mean, he scored 60 points in 55 games. 20 of those were goals. So 40, point, 40 of those points were assists. A lot of talk has been that players who've been retained by Guildford the top four teams have tried time. So we're talking the Belfast, the Cardiff, the, Card, the Sheffield Nottingham. And you look through their roster, the team, the the, sorry, my apologies, the, the guys they've retained. Makes sense why they wanted to sign for them, because these are guys who are good. So Dixon's done a great job keeping them together, and his additions to that, I think, you know, if you're a Guildford Flames fan, back in the big time after a, a, a long hiatus, it's going to be an exciting year for them. So Andy, um, moving on from Akron slightly, obviously we say that he's 60 points, 20 of those are goals. Another guy that obviously is re-signed for Guildford, another guy that maybe we would have wanted to see in Orange, um, he's a guy that's re-signed again, Ian Waters. What's, our, uh, what, what's your opinion of Ian Waters and, and what do you think to, to what he can bring to the team? Uh, Ian plays a great game. Uh, again, he's another player that puts up some, some, some decent points. He's had... Uh, Quite a few seasons in the East Coast League with Orlando, uh, Augusta, Idaho, just to, just to name a few. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a very solid player. Very solid. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy that can go into the season and score 54 points from 55 games. Again, maybe not as many as Akron, but <laughs> I mean, I certainly want to have my if any of the seasons played bottom points like that. Um, Dave, what, what are we thinking that players like Waters can bring? To a team like Guildford, what what are we thinking as if as Guildford as a whole? You look you look at their roster and through each line, you can you know they've they've gone the three four lines option. I think they're, they're pushing for four lines this year in terms of some of the juniors that they've brought in. Um, they've got guys that's going to be given the depth. Um, and like I said last year, they were good and they were they were short towards the back of the season, making you know the final four. You add the depth, you add the guys. Like walking, the, these players who are going to do some damage, and you know, 
If you wanted to put a cheeky £10 on a team to win the league, Guildford could be that team. Because you look at their roster, yeah, you don't say straight off, you're going to look at Cardiff. If we're all honest, Cardiff's probably the team that's going to be pushing to go, yeah, yeah. they'll go for the league. Certainly but the benchmark. But there's a cheeky £10 bet. Guildford's probably not a bad show. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I mean, I'll ask, I'll ask a question, but I'm pushing, I'm looking at their roster and I'm saying top half of the league. They're going to do better than they did last year. They've got the guys, they've got the, the, the team to do it, they've got the owner to back them should injury hamper them. You know, I think Guildford's going to be a very dangerous team this year. Yeah, so I mean, uh, whilst we're on that point, I mean, we may as well throw the question out. We're throwing it out for the, uh, the last few teams. Andy, um, Guildford, where are we thinking top eight? Top half, final four. What what we thinking? I think I think a few of those. I think could definitely push for the top four. Uh, with the depth that they've got in their roster, and I think could throw throw a few surprises in the uh, in the in the cups as well. Yeah. Dave, what what we what we thinking? Top five. Challenge Cup final. Gonna throw the cat on the pigeon. Do you want to mention the Challenge Cup final? I think they're the type of team that could make the Challenge Cup final. Um, and I think we will see all being well in terms of no injuries or anything. I think we will see Guildford in Nottingham in April for the final four. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I mean, I I I, I slightly disagree. I, I can't see them making the Challenge Cup final this year. Um, but you know, we're subjective. I'd love to see them in the Challenge Cup final. Uh, in my honest opinion, in terms of finishing top half of the league, I agree with. Um, I think top four maybe a slight push for the for the playoffs. I could see them just missing out on the top four, but I certainly see them making the final eight. So we've now done all eleven teams, and it feels like a lifetime that we've done them. But I think we've got them in depth, and I think we've got across all eleven teams, we've got some great players, and I think in the elite league we're going to have a great season. But for those who are listening, tell us if you think we're wrong. Um, you've got the social media, you know, on Twitter at MFZ Podcast. And on uh, Facebook, the My Fancy Zamboni podcast page. Tell us, tell us who you think is going to make the final four. In fact, we'll put it out there on this call. Who do your guys, looking at the rosters, who are going to be the final four in Nottingham next uh, April? Maybe not even final four. Maybe even tells you top three for the league. I mean, it's it's all obviously. I mean, players coming to the league this season, maybe maybe kind of looking at it and thinking, oh, you you've got a cup. You, you prioritise the league. It's a bit of a weird thing for a lot of North Americans coming into the league, but tell us your top three elite league teams, tell us your playoff bets, play your, 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 maybe your final four, maybe your, your, maybe your champions, and your Challenge Cup, as you say. Um, I mean, I think this is the opportune moment to say, yes, we put out on social media earlier on in the week. We were, we were hoping to record this on Wednesday. Um, we had a few technical issues. Uh, we didn't want to put out the podcast with those technical issues, blast them gremlins. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so we we we've taken the decision to not take the recording from Wednesday. We've re-recorded. We'll hold our hands up now. We're talking on Saturday night following the the Steelers versus Milton Keynes loss uh, for the Steelers fans. Um, you know, three two loss to Milton Keynes. Um, you know, I think this is. A good point. If there's not necessarily to mention the elite league at this point, but we've also, obviously, <laughs> in in a difference to what we were going to discuss um, on Wednesday, maybe we've also seen two CHL results 
Dave, what, what's your opinion of, of, of Cardiff in the CHL? So we, we talked about the two Cardiff home games. Because we record it now, we've got their away game. So let's just recap their four results. So they started their campaign at home and they were unlucky against Salzburg to lose 5-2. Um, they pushed Burn on this in game two to overtime, but lost to Burn 3-2. In fairness, you know what? They've Any group's unlucky because it's tough. They've got a tough group. Um, to play Salzburg and Burn their first four games, home and away, and we'll ignore the fact that they're 56 games against the CHL finalists. We'll ignore that fact. Um, it's tough. So to get one point out of two is okay, if we're honest. Then they go away. And if I'm honest, I've obviously not seen the hearts from today's game against Burn, But watching them Thursday night against Salzburg, they were fantastic. Um, they felt unlucky in the respect of Salzburg was smarter um, in terms of how they their game management. Um, and then to go to Burn, this is a club that has 13,000 season ticket holders, is the highest average attendance in Europe. So we're talking a club that is pretty prestigious in Switzerland. To be 1-0 up, 2-1 up, to lose sadly, you, you, you have to do nothing else but say congratulations Cardiff, what a campaign so far. Against these teams to have these performances... They, they have done absolutely well. And if I was a Cardiff fan, I'd be so bloody proud. And I'd probably use that, but I'd be proud of that team because you know what? They're against great teams. They've done well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think <laughs> the results against Salzburg as Steelers fans may be a bit hard to swallow in terms of um, the extent that we were hammered in that Salzburg ice arena. Um you know, I, 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 in fairness, I mean, episode one, you know, Dave, you and I and, and Gref kind of discussed what we thought was going to happen. And, and I, you know, I said I, I could see the Devils making the knockout stages. I mean, we're looking at it now. They've played four games, one to overtime, but realistically four losses. So I can't see it happening. I, I, in fairness, I don't even know if it's physically possible. Yeah, they, they are now out now. Um I mean, nonetheless, I mean, a 3-2 loss against Burn in Burn, a 4-2 loss against Salzburg in Salzburg, they've certainly done the league proud. I mean, these were the games that we expected, and we'll bring Andy in, um, these were the games that we expected Cardiff to be hammered. They were good. We, we expected Burn and Salzburg to run the scoreboard. So to see these scorelines, like Joe said, it's not only great for the Devils, but it's also great for the league league. It is. It, it, it's the other thing that bolts our reputation mm. as a league and uh, it's like Nottingham last year to have the budget the difference between the, the clubs like Burn like uh, like Vacho and all those the budget is it's a massive difference and to get never mind win but even come close so a great result against them is a massive achievement and something that should be praised yeah, yeah. absolutely I mean, we're never going to see a, a, a British team in the next 10 years make the CHL final. I mean, we'd love it to see. And from a very selfish perspective, I'd love to see Sheffield, but you know, any team from the UK make the final would be great to see. But just to see our, our teams, and we, well, let's go back a few years, and let's look at Sheffield Braid. Ben Braid, Nottingham obviously beat Hamburg in the first year of the CHL. Mm-hmm. Um, Braid got the win um, against Ingolstadt. Uh, memory says right. Um, the year after, Sheffield got the win against Salzburg. 
and then the year after a season, Nottingham had their fantastic campaign and made the the, uh, the knockouts age and got knocked out by Zurich, I believe. Cardiff got great wins against Davos in overtime and, and hammered Vaxho at home when the, the Swedish press weren't happy about that. So seeing these results by the British teams, um, it, it's just fantastic. You know, as someone who who loves to watch the, the CHL, I, I do enjoy it. It's a, it's a competition I think is great and... I think anybody who doesn't like it, I'd love to know why. And watch some of the games. I mean, some of the results we've had over the past uh, four rounds of games, you know, the powerhouses of Sweden and Finland have not had their own way. You know, Malmo go to Janost, which we know for our own, um, well, especially a lot last season, um, yeah. absolutely destroyed Malmo 6-2. Um, Grondo getting good wins. Alborg pushed Zurich, one of the biggest budgeted teams in Europe, pushed them. They were nearly equalised, 12 seconds um, tonight so it's a type of competition which is just exciting to watch and I, I don't understand why people don't want to watch this type of competition don't want to be involved in it because the hockey is just so fantastic yeah and it, and it brings it back I mean I know last episode um, you know Dave you and I and, and Gref discussed well, <laughs> the fact that we didn't understand why people didn't want to be involved in this tournament but I mean the fact that I mean Obviously, as we say, you know, um, not even we get that win against Hamburg Freezers, and then we've got Braid getting that win against Ingolstadt. We've got Steelers getting that win against the Salz uh, against Salzburg. It, it's, but then you look at further on. I mean, you know, Nottingham making the knockout stages. It's hard to swallow. It's hard to swallow as a Steelers fan, but Nottingham making a knockout stage in the CHL, winning the Conti Cup, and then going on to make the knockout stage in the CHL. I mean, you are then telling me that that hasn't got a knock-on effect at teams signing players like Mike Hedden, Patrick Dwyer, Aaron Johnson. That's the reason that we're signing players like that. It's because we're contesting in such high leagues and high tournaments. Very much so, and I think it's 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 a selling tool, and and bring bringer in. You know, you have like say you've named the players who are absolute goldless players and I think with our national champions being involved in the con- uh, sorry in the, C- the CHL and obviously hopefully Belfast do well in the, uh, the Continental Cup and make the final again it will just enhance again the reputation of the country and it, you know when, when imports say you know I'm going to try Europe now that you know years before they'd go let's try Denmark and then if we go wrong we'll go to the UK because it's an English speaking country and now you're seeing them go, no, we'll go to UK first. And I think, I don't know, you, I'll ask you this, the more these results happen, the more we push these big teams, the more we you know, compete against the best, I think we're going to see better players go to UK first, even if it's not the best option pay-wise. But I think we're going to see them choose the UK first because the league is just going to get better and better. Yeah, for me, it's also the fans' credit, especially Cardiff. You know, they've got a great contingent of fans out there. You know, they're, they're cheering even when they're, they're losing. They're still cheering. Uh, they're, you know, they're having a great time. And that's what it's all about in these tournaments. You know that you've not quite got the same level as what other teams have. But yet the fans are there. They know that it might not win. But still having a great time and enjoying themselves. That's, that's what it's all about. One thing that you have, you've, you've such a good point, the, the fans that have gone over... Um, and every time, if it's the, the Panthers fans, the Clan fans, the Steelers fans, the Devils fans, they've always gone over and they've always represented the British game very well um, from a very selfish perspective. Hearing the fans sing the... Because um, now this year, it's not just the, 
the CHL anthem. It's both anthems of the country. So to hear the Cardiff fans sing the Welsh anthem, for the person it was very nice to hear and they belted out well. But also, I've been in, in Sheffield fans' bases where we've sung, you know, the British anthem and you hear it from other teams. And you just hear the, the passion for the fans who go over, who are looking to go over to these games. And that just sells well to Europe. Absolutely. Um, I mean, moving on from the CHL, I mean, we could talk for hours about that. We all know that. <laughs> so, you know, we've all, we all went to Salzburg for a start. So, you know, when, when we're going to see us playing in Salzburg, we, we were all there. We, we all know the kind of quality of that tournament and the, and the reason that we all want to be involved in that tournament. So one last thing before we move on. Cardiff have two more games. Dead rubber games, in essence. But games against Faction, who... They play this year, but are one of the top Swedish teams. What do you, I'll ask you two, what, what does Andrew Lord do with these two games? It's in October, so the British season's well in way. What can he use them games to get out of his squad to push for the rest of the season? I think realistically, I mean, we've already said, I, I don't know, I haven't done the math. I, I might, from what I understand, significantly unlikely if not impossible for Cardiff to qualify for the knockout stages but it doesn't make those games futile it doesn't make those games you know unreasonable you know or, you know it, it doesn't make them pointless um you can use those games to start saying right we're pushing against the top SHL game uh, SHL team we're pushing against the team that we're playing in the final against Uvascular last year Anything that we can get out of these games is amazing. I mean, we were talking from Steelers fans. We we, we played Timber this year and we shut them out for two periods. We lost, but we shut them out for two periods and that was a positive to take out of those games. And that was a pre-season game. Then for Andrew Law to be able to go into those games and say, look, not only have we created a result against Baccio, but we, we've done X, Y and Z. We've scored X goals. We've push to defend against X amount of penalties. You know, they use that as a platform to start saying, we're pushing against the top SHL team here. And it's maybe, yeah, maybe it's a futile game. Maybe it's pointless in terms of us being able to move to the knockout stages, but it's certainly not pointless in terms of what they can actually do. And Andy, do you think that Vaxhaw will take these games as lightly as they did last year, um, given the results and the, the hammering that they got from the local press? Do you think they're going to bring their full squad and do you think they're going to go and try and get two wins against the Devils? I think they're just going to approach it as another game. I mean, in the CHL, we've already seen in in the past few weeks anything could happen. Like, Balzano beating Shaleftia, I mean, that in itself is a fantastic result and it just shows that this competition is wide open. Anyone could beat anyone. So for both teams, it's just you know, just another game. I mean, you look at today, I mean, you know, do you know who plays? I mean, for under, I've lost 4-1 to 2 at Vienna. You know, it really does show that anybody can beat anybody. I'm, I'm, are you really telling me that months down the line that Vienna fans are going to be turning around and saying, why are we playing in the, SA, uh, in the CHL? They beat for under. <laughs> Even if they do nothing in the CHL, they beat for under. And it's the same thing with Cardiff. No, I, you know, I agree. Enough. I think they're going to be good games to watch and the games in October, if you don't um, have a ticket for them, for the game in Cardiff, Free Sport will be showing both games, Aaron Murphy... And uh, Paul Eddie will be broadcasting them. So, uh, in October, um, something to watch um, to end the group stage of the Champions Hockey League. So, from the Champions Hockey League, 
as we did on the, the opening night of the Elite League season, let's move on to the Elite League. And Joe, fire away. Yeah, we've uh, obviously, as we say, you know, we intended to record this podcast on Wednesday. As it happens, we're recording it on Saturday, so we're, we're actually recording it on the 8th of September. So we've, we've obviously seen results, more results than we expected. Um, to start with, Nottingham Sheffield, 5 2. Um, loss for the Steelers against Nottingham. Maybe not the result that we wanted to uh, to secure. Um, in fairness, I mean, I think we can we can kind of skip skip over that almost. <laughs> None of us were there mainly because we were all together watching the uh, watching the Cardiff game against Burn on TV. But um, you know, none of us were there. I I mean, I, I don't know what you guys have heard. I've heard fairly bad reports. In terms of the Steelers quality, I've, I've watching the highlights. Everyone said that the Panthers would be dangerous here. The highlights show that they're going to be dangerous. Then the goals they scored, they had some nice breakouts. The fifth goal was very pretty, um, nice passing move. Um, but you know what? It's an opening game. It's a Challenge Cup game. You always get these type of fixtures where everyone just feels each other out, um, and you know, not even got the. Um, the result on this one so you know when it comes to the game back in Sheffield Sheffield have a point to prove um, and also in terms of uh, cup qualification um, Sheffield will obviously need to get some get a result in that game so the pressure now starts to be a bit on Sheffield but we've seen it many times and Mottingham fans have seen it many times that when it comes to the expectation and the understanding of this should happen in these games now nah, you can forget that so good start for the Panthers you know, they've got a good win, um, full building, which is always good to hear. Um, but, you know, it's game one. Um, let's see what happens in game two. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean obviously, just, just to recap, I mean, as you say, Paul Thompson being there for the last few seasons, he knows the rivalry. Great result for uh, Rich Earnham as, as, as the coach for Nottingham, obviously getting that first win against the rivals. It's something that he's he's kind of put on a bit of a pedestal. He's gone in the he's gone into the media. He's kind of raised it up a little bit. He's really raised certainly raised the stakes, and you know he's paid off for him. It has, and Andy, having someone coming completely fresh to the whole rivalry, um, and hearing his interview on, on Free Sport for the uh, the Elite League highlight show, he he look he sounds like a person that he he knows what he wants to do and he knows what he wants to win, and. With every resource that they will have, pretty dangerous. They're probably going to do everything they can to get back and uh, maybe win another league title. Yeah, as as someone new to a league, uh, you, you know you've you've not seen the rivalry, but you as soon as you get there, you hear all about it, and it just pumps you up, gets excited. Uh, and I think he's brought a great team in, a very uh, structured, very solid team, and I'd be surprised if they don't win some silverware this season. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, we've been going on for a fair while now. So, obviously, as you say, I mean, Nottingham great result against Sheffield. We focus on that slightly more because of the rivalry. But I mean, let's let let's let's now, as I say, we're talking on the uh, other Saturday evening. The Steelers games happened. The other Elite games have happened. Let's just kind of go over the results briefly that we've seen. I mean, Guildford, Coventry. Guildford have won two one in the Challenge Cup. We've all kind of between the three of us highlighted Coventry as the kind of team that may be slightly more underwhelming 
So, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you guys are going to disagree, but a 2-1 result for Guildford, not something that was unexpected. No, I think if you looked at the, the, the fixtures, you'd expect them to win. Um, maybe maybe a case of Guildford did enough to win. We don't know, we've not seen the highlights, we've not seen any reports. Um, but that sounds also a decent result for Coventry. Um, you'd look at that fixture, you go, maybe lose by two or three. So to keep it to a 2-1 scoreline, that's good for Coventry. So uh, as much as they'll be unhappy with the loss, it's not a disastrous loss. It's certainly not unrespectable. Um, similar lines, Belfast Giants, Dundee Stars, Challenge Cup game again, 4-2 to the Belfast Giants. Um, two very different teams in terms of maybe their expectations. Belfast, in a similar position to Sheffield, wanting to punch for the, the Elite League title more than likely this year. Um, I appreciate this is a Challenge Cup game, but still as a team that's punching, you know, they're going to be wanting to do maybe, maybe more against a team that kind of finished so low down as the Dundee Stars last year. And, and in the flip side, a great result for Dundee. One, we've already said that they've improved massively. Um, Andy, what, what are we thinking about the, uh, about the result 4-2 for the, for the Belfast Giants? It's a great result for Dundee. I mean, you look at the players that Belfast brought in. We've, we've touched on you know, Dwyer, uh, Beskarani had a, had a good season despite what happened to Edinburgh. Um, but yeah, but that's a good result nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, then we move on to Fife and Glasgow, and even closer. Uh, and it, it really does bring into light what we've been saying about how, if in my opinion, all the Scottish teams have improved in terms of quality. And it really does show me Fife, Glasgow, Fife for a penalty shot win for the Fife Flyers. I mean, that, that's, you don't get a penalty shot result for nothing. I mean, both teams really, really did push there. You don't, you don't. They've obviously started well with getting the goals, um, and you can just imagine that the atmosphere in that building would have been electric. Uh, Glasgow will have brought a very good away contingency. Um, so, you know, for all sounds a great opening opening night game. So someone had to win and, and tonight it was five. So um, it gives them the advantage of the cup and then, you know, you just roll on to the next game. Absolutely. And any advantage is, is, is certainly an advantage to roll off. Um, Let's go to, uh, obviously, then Nottingham-Manchester. It's the first league game, moving away from the Challenge Cup. Nottingham win 2-1. Um, I don't think that's a bad result for either team, to be fair. It's certainly not an irrespectable score for Manchester to suffer. It would have been, I mean, Nottingham would have been riding off the, the coattail of the emotion of, of tonight. Obviously, it was the night they retired Dave Clark's jersey. Um, fabulous servant to the British game and the Panthers. Would they have wanted the bigger scoreline? Maybe so. Um, but in all accounts, some of the reports you hear on social media that Manchester's goalie stood on his head and played a blinding game. Um, so, but either way, Nottingham got another win. Yeah. And um, we may have joked that um, they announced the penalty on their time last after the Sheffield game. They're still unbeaten. But the death thing is, victories breed confidence, and the Panthers are going to now start to see the confidence. You know, throughout their next game, that it's going to build on from there. So, a good result um, for the Panthers. I and mean, even, like I say, a good result for the, the Manchester Stone as well. I mean, uh, Ryan Finnerty will have, uh, will have probably have, obviously have liked to have uh, beaten the Panthers. He's had many battles on that away bench uh, against the Panthers as a player and a coach. Um, but he, I'm pretty certain he'll have been happy. I don't know what you think, and he'll have been happy with that type of result. Yeah, he would be, but it, it's, no, it's, still a, it's still early in the season and... Uh, it's it's not as bad as scoreline, so I think there's definitely some things that you can do maybe to to get a better result for the next game. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we we move to the same kind of position again. A one goal game, Sheffield versus Milton Keynes. We leave that until last, obviously, because all three of us were there. Um, 
Dave, what do you think of the three-two win for the Milton Keynes? Good result for Milton Keynes, um, and probably some of their fans would have been like, "How many years ago since we last won in Sheffield?" Obviously, they had the the huge gap between uh, one of the older teams playing against the Steelers. Um, if I'm honest with you, a superb road performance from the Lightning, and an even better performance from the goalie. Um, he pulled off about five or six saves where, if we're honest, any other goalie, Sheffield's got. Yeah. Um, without a shadow of a doubt. So you had the combination. Um, I mean, it was it was hilarious from one aspect that uh, their first two goals, the point scorers was ex-Sheffield players, but it happens. Um, I, I felt Sheffield played well. I thought Sheffield actually looked a lot better than they did last year. Um, and, you know, it's not an excuse that they played a superb road game. I mean, we mentioned when we, we previewed Milton Keynes, they've got a good coach, a coach of experience. So he knows how to play these great road games and how to just shut teams down and go on the break. Um, you know, you look at Sheffield's performances, you know, Jackson Russell played outstanding, um, put on some really good saves. And his performances from, you know, Aaron Johnson and, and, and players of that ilk. It was a great game to watch, if we're honest with you. Great game. 9,000 9, plus in the building looked fantastic sounded great and um, Miller Keynes brought a great away um, contingency so that was good to yeah. see um, and if I'm honest with you if that's the type of hockey that I'm going to watch in Sheffield night and night out do you know what here's my 17, here's my pound because that was good to watch that was the type of hockey I'll enjoy watching yeah when I lose you're certainly not going to get any complaints from me um, it was a, certainly a great game um, I mean obviously Conscious of the time that we're at, we're taking here. So I mean, just move on to the games that we're going to play tomorrow. But we're going to see tomorrow. Um, I mean, I, I think the best way to go about this at the moment, gents, is, is just to kind of mention the two teams playing. Let's see. Get a prediction going thing going on. Uh, prediction thing going on here. We'll mention the teams playing. Each each person say who do you think is going to get a result, and then obviously when we record episode three, we can kind of come back and say who was right, who was wrong. Um, so, starting where we left off, um, Milton Keynes, Sheffield Steelers, obviously Sheffield are travelling down to MK this time round. Dave, what are we thinking? I think Sheffield are going to get the win. I, 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 I'm going to go two goals. Um, they, like I said, they played well. Um, I think maybe, possibly the pressure of playing in, you know, in a 9,000 plus attendance, because yeah. it was a sellout. Some of these guys may never played in front of so many, um, but I'm going to go a two-goal victory for the Seals tomorrow. Yeah. Andy? For me, if Patrick Killian has a game like he did uh, tonight, I think it'll go into overtime for me. Who are you thinking uh, he's going to get the win? I think he'll be MK, but just, just slightly MK. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can see it from both sides. I mean, Killian had an amazing game today. Um, in my honest opinion, I mean, if both teams play the same as they did today, I honestly thought Steelers were a better team. I think in terms of netminding, Achilles stood on his head, taking nothing away from Jackson Whistle. I think if both teams perform as they did today, I think, uh, again, I agree with Dave, maybe a one-goal win, but I can see the Steelers getting the edge. Um, I mean, moving on, Manchester Storm, Nottingham Panthers, league fixture again, this time in Manchester. Start with Andy, what do you think? I think it'll be another close one. Uh, definitely another close one. Uh, I'm going to go Nottingham for that one. Dave? Nottingham by three goals. I don't think it'll be as close. Um, I think this is the game that we'll see just how dangerous 
the Panthers are in respect of they've the result looks very close. Manchester will be will have a lot of confidence from, from holding the Panthers to a scoreline like that. This is a game that the type that will show right. If we if we've got real serious contention for the league, these are the games that we show dominance, and I think we're going to see a three goal win by the Panthers. Yeah, I agree. Maybe maybe not so much by the same margin, uh, but I can certainly see a Panthers win. Uh, I would say I'd say two goals, but if fairness, we're splitting hairs. I can certainly see a Panthers win in this one. Um, move over, um, Challenge Cup. We have um, a few fixtures obviously going on again tomorrow. Dundee Stars, Glasgow Clan. Um, I'll keep this one off. To be honest with you, I mean, this is going to be a great game, in my honest opinion. Um, maybe last season you may have been expecting a Glasgow win. It's in Dundee. Oh, I, I think a Glasgow. I, 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 sorry, I think a Dundee win. I, I can see a Dundee win by one or two goals. I agree, Dundee by two goals. Um, they've been buoyed by a good result tonight, and they're still they're back at home, so they haven't got to travel. Home comforts and everything, even at the beginning of the season. Um, Glasgow will have uh, will have licked the wounds after losing to five from penalties. I'm going to go, yeah, Dundee, two goals. I'm going to go Glasgow by one goal. Ooh. Oh. Controversial, Andrew. <laughs> um, then we move on to Coventry Guildford. Um, it's in Coventry, and I can see. Uh, I, I think this will go into overtime, to be honest. I would go with a win for Guildford in overtime. I go for Guildford as well, uh, by two goals. I'm going to go Guildford overtime as well, I think. I think Coventry will, will, will start well, they'll, they'll go for the, the early pressure, but I think the quality of Guildford will be the difference. But I think I'm going to go overtime. Overtime, Guildford. So, uh, last fixture for the Elite League tomorrow. Five Flyers, Belfast Giants in five. Um, Dave, do you want to kick it off? I'm going to go five by goal. I'm going to go five by goal. I think, you know, again, they all, for whatever reason, five Belfast games, five seem to do very well in these fixtures. So, I, I'm going to pump for a five victory by a goal. Just to echo Dave's words, uh, absolutely. Five win by a goal and uh, to have that crowd behind them as well. Yeah, go win. I've got controversial. I think, I think Belfast by a couple of goals. But, certainly let's see it either way. I just think it's going to be a great game. Um, so, I'm going to obviously summarise the games tomorrow. A couple of things to discuss just before we summarise. Just before we finish off, apologies, Siri starting off my phone there. Um, one certain thing to discuss that's happened since the last episode, um, a Dops decision. David Phillips gets a match ban for a hit uh, in the Nottingham game. Again, a fairly quick summary just because we're conscious of how long we've been going on here. But what, what, what are you guys think thoughts regarding the decision on the David Phillips hit? It was a poor hit. Um... I wouldn't say totally reckless, but it was poor. weren't controlled, um, but not intentional. But then again, there's no clean, unintentional play. Um, so, if I'm honest, you know, once you start having any contact to the head, then that's when you start racking up the games. I think a game ban was probably about right. Um, you know, like I said, and you look at the response from the Panthers players. You know, they, 
you read between lines, but if if none of them gone for a player who's had a hit to one of their teammates, you kind of can't understand that. You know, they it's been called. They didn't think it was bad. They've allowed the referee to deal with the punishment. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think one game is probably right. Uh, the hit itself, not not brilliant, uh, not very good at all. But uh, I think one game uh, that that's decent enough, and you know it, it gives that incentive to the to players in the league that they will they will give these game bans out if it does happen. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I think um, I think Dobbs have started off quite strong. Um, you know, Dobbs come under quite a lot of scrutiny. I, th- I don't think any of us would take the position of a referee or of the person deciding what band to give in certain instances. It, it's certainly a thankless job and it's certainly a position that you're never going to please everybody. Um, I think the hit from Davey, it was a bad hit. wasn't the worst hit that we've seen. Necess- didn't necessarily result in an injury, but regardless, it was a reckless hit. Davey from my understanding at least, himself has gone on to an interview and said that he thought he was going to get clattered in the face by a high stick as after he committed to the hit. He closed his eyes, moved in for the hit, and obviously, as he closed his eyes, he's ended up making head contact. Yes, unintentional. Definitely reckless. I mean, if you don't close your eyes and make a hit, and it not be a reckless hit. So, for me, match ban. I, you know, I could have sat in a two-match ban maximum. Anything more than that, I think, would have been too far. I'll say one thing about Dave Phillips. When he hits, more often than not, we're talking, you know, ninety-five percent onwards. He hits clean. Yeah. Um. So he's not a dangerous player, not a dirty player. So, like I said, one game ban. You move on. He's, he's served it tonight against Milton Keynes. He'll be back in the lineup uh, down in Milton Keynes. So there you go. I think I think that kind of sorts that one out, and you know, you yeah. move on. Oh no! Absolutely. Um. I think that summarises the podcast today, gents. Um, as you say, you know, if you want to give us a follow, if you're not already, it's uh, at MFZ uh, Podcast on Twitter. It's My Fantasy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Uh, obviously, we're on Sound, uh, SoundCloud, so obviously that's where we're putting out all our podcasts. Um, thank you very much to everybody that's given us feedback so far. Please don't stop. We do appreciate the feedback. Please bear in mind that you know, this, this week is very different. We've not got anyone in a call. We're all in the same room. Um, so hopefully the sound quality should be a bit better. But hopefully over the next few weeks, we should be able, also be able to improve on the sound quality when we do have Greth calling in uh, from Manchester as well. But for now, uh, for now, obviously we're... Uh, thank you from Dave. Thank you very much. And also next week, or the next edition, we'll hopefully have Greth back. Um, and we'll have... Uh, you know, if if Andy's available, maybe even have uh, four of us uh, discussing uh, the next My Fantasy Zamboni. But uh, from everyone, thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Andy, uh, again, thank you very much for stepping in for Greth this week. And, you know, I echo what Dave said. You know, maybe next week we'll maybe have four with me, Dave, Greth and Andy as well. But thank you very much, Andy. Thank you. It's been great. It's great to be here. Thank you for watching. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much from me. Uh, thanks to everybody that listens. And again, please share, like and continue listening to us. Um, on my fancy Zamboni podcast. Thank you.